Thank you so much. Thanks so much, good brother. I don't know how quick the, uh, the quickness of the, of the reply was, but uh, definitely was uh, grateful uh, to be able uh, to uh, fill in for my, my dear brother, uh, Brett. It's so great uh, to be with all of you uh, on this uh, Lord's Night. And uh, it's bittersweet as uh, my good friend, Megan, who uh, often, after I've taken my kids to school in the morning, uh, I, I normally make a, a drive to one of my favorite coffee shops in town, and uh, she'll be there uh, reading the scriptures. She'll be there meeting with someone, uh, obviously just seeing the, the Lord's hand of her uh, on, on her life. And so I'm definitely going to miss you. And uh, I have to find somebody else to, to meet at my, at my coffee spot after I take my kids to school. Uh, Proverbs, we're in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 23 is where we'll be tonight, uh, keeping uh, in step with what Brett had for us. I'll be reading verses 12 through 19 as we looked at. Uh, this ideal of directing the heart. This is what the word of God says from Proverbs chapter 23, verses 12 through 19. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to the words of knowledge. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, uh, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from shield. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Hear my son and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Brothers and sisters, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this time to open up your word and consider how we are to live. I pray that, God, you would speak, that I would decrease, God, you would increase, and that you would get the glory out of our time in your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wax on, wax off. Wax on. Wax off. I hope I did that in the right way. Uh, Before there was Cobra Kai and the Miyagi-Do, we had uh, the Karate Kid with Daniel's son and Mr. Miyagi. Uh, Many of you probably don't remember this story. It was a movie that was done so many years ago, so I'm going to kind of refresh your memory with a two-minute drill as to how the Karate Kid movie goes. Uh, We have Daniel, who is... A new kid to his school, he is being bullied. He, he's a new kid. He's been moved to L.A. from uh, New Jersey. So he talks differently. He, he has a different swagger by the way he goes about doing things. And uh, he happens to befriend uh, this young lady who uh, was trying to open up her arms of community to this new student uh, at this school. Uh, but to his demise, uh, this girl who he... Uh, started to become friends with, had an an ex-boyfriend who uh, didn't like the fact that uh, she uh, was befriending Daniel and uh, he was a part of this karate clan. And so him and his friends would uh, begin picking on him and and bullying him and and trying to make life hard for Daniel as he is transitioning to this new school. But one day as they were doing their duty, they were were beating him up, trying to jump him. Uh, All of a sudden, out of nowhere, some some older gentleman comes out and defends Daniel's honor, uh, so much so that he fends off these young, strong uh, high school students and was able to save Daniel for that moment. Uh, And 
Daniel, he saw this. He's amazed. He don't know who this guy is. And, and he, he gets with him. And he says, look, I want you to, uh, to teach me what you just did. Like, that was amazing. What you did was great. And Daniel was just thinking about this so that he could be able to, to find out how to, how to fight, to, to defend himself. And so Mr. Miyagi, he thought about it. He says, yes, you can come and I will train you. And the training that would ensue was something different than Daniel imagined. Uh, he would come over and, and some days he would have Daniel washing the floor. Uh, other days he would have him sanding the fence and he would come back. He would, would paint the fist, fence up and down with, with these strokes. He had to do it exactly the way Mr. Miyagi had told him to. And uh, the infamous uh, scene as he is washing the car, he uh, tells Daniel, when you, when you wax it, you have to wax on, wax off. Now, after so, so many days, Daniel is, he's annoyed. He doesn't understand what's going on. He, he came to, to be trained to be uh, this black belt karate uh, warrior. He, he was coming to get training so he could defend himself at school. And so he finally goes to Mr. Miyagi. He says, Mr. Miyagi, I, I don't know uh, w- what's going on here. I feel like I'm doing a whole lot of chores for you. I'm not getting much uh, karate training. Well, what's going on? I, I don't understand this. I, I feel like you have enslaved me. I, I want to learn karate. And what he didn't understand is that Mr. Miyagi, what he was trying to do was uh, to build certain instincts within Daniel. Uh, certain things that would come natural to him so that uh, when he would go on to win the karate championship, there were some things that he just knew because it was just a part of his way of life. It was a part of what he had been doing for weeks and for months, training, getting ready, uh, being disciplined in the way uh, of this training that Mr. Miyagi had for him. Uh, As it should be, uh, he, he was upset still. He didn't understand. He didn't know why, but As the movie would unfold, we would see that uh, these moves, wax on, wax off, would help him as he would defeat uh, his enemies in this karate championship. The Lord didn't give us Mr. Miyagi, uh, but providentially he gave us Solomon to, to train us with certain disciplines necessary to live a balanced life. As we've been studying uh, the book of Proverbs, uh, Solomon has been giving us some of these wax on, wax off uh, moments as he is teaching us uh, these wonderful pearls of wisdom on how to live, how how to live life in a way that is pleasing to God. He would start off in Proverbs chapter one, telling us that the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. And then he would float away and tell you about the type of person you ought to marry and give you wisdom nuggets on how to spend your money, how to save for the future, how to to live this life. These wax on, wax on moments is what Solomon have been giving us as he's trying to help us direct our hearts down the path of righteousness. Solomon here, he is uh, talking to his children, the, the children of Israel, maybe his own sons. And he's trying to give them wisdom to help this next generation to to be suited for greatness. He's trying to help them uh, to live this life that uh, uses uh, issues from his past, uh, some of his failures, use uh, some of his success to help them to push them to greatness. Uh, Last week, uh, Barden sang to us from the Golden Girls about thank you for being a friend. And I won't dare try to sing that in the way that he did, but he talked to us about the importance of friendship. And how friendships are important for our lives. It helps our souls. And this week as we're looking at uh, this this verse 
this out of, out of uh, Proverbs 23, uh, he, he's going to give us something that I would call this uh, parental friendship. Uh, it's this great chasm that, that plagues our society, the, the balance of trying to be the cool parent or, or not to be the hard parent, the, the question of, of if I'm going to be honest with my children or not, if I'm going to spoil them, make life easy for them. Solomon says, welcome to Parenting 101, the class that no one took before having children. I have to be honest with you, as when Brett called me and told me that he was ill and that uh, he needed me to preach for him. And, and I said, OK, tell me what 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 book, what, what chapter, what are you doing? And he told me uh, Proverbs 23. I almost kind of vomited a little bit because um, <laughs> because this verse here that uh, we're looking at tonight uh, is one that uh, my family grew up with. We, we know this all too well. Uh, th- this verse in, in Proverbs 23, it, it was written in blood on the doorpost <laughs> of our house. Uh, we were reminded of this daily that, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train you. I'm going to, to whoop you. I'm going to beat you. Don't, don't call child services. I made it through, but... I kind of had a little PST when I saw this passage. I, I didn't know if I could stand here strongly uh, and to, to preach this because it was a show enough talk to me in a very impactful way. But what Solomon tells us, he says it's pretty easy. Verses 13 to 14, we're going to see the importance of proper discipline, a proper discipline, how that looks holistically. Verse 17, we're going to see uh, the, the discipline of desires. And, and in verse 19, as we skip down, we see the discipline in following the way, the discipline in following the way. But our first point tonight that we see as we open up uh, this wonderful passage, uh, verses 13 through 14, I will call it training, training. Proverbs 23, 13 and 14 says, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. I call this the way of encouragement, the way of encouragement. Children need discipline or training. And as I speak of this, I'm thinking of the the discipline and the training that my mom gave me as we grew up uh, in our home. And as she would do this discipline, as she would do this training, she would would always say, "I'm, I'm doing this because I love you. Uh, I, I don't want to do this when you do something wrong. I, I don't want to do this. This hurts me. It, it puts tears in my eyes. But yet I, I'm doing this because I love you. And I never understood that. This is not what Solomon had in mind, the, 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 the beatings that most people uh, think of. Many, many families, unfortunately, they use this verse to, as a license to just UFC their children. And unfortunately, around the world, around this country, we have a lot of abuse that does take place because this verse may have been taken out of context. But yet he's calling us to a regular regimen uh, of training, of discipline to prepare their child for the future. That moral correction is necessary in the life of our children, whether it's verbal or physical, when necessary. The Hebrew word here that is used for discipline is musar, which means training and discipline. 
This discipline that Solomon is speaking of is not meant to wound, it's not meant to, to, to brutally beat down, but it was, it was meant to just teach lessons of care, lessons of caution, lessons of obedience. It is punishment applied with warmth and affection. And as I say that, thinking of my mom as she would say, I'm doing this because I love you, the, the, the warmth and the affection that she was trying to to give to me and to my younger siblings. But how how do we know that he's not intending for these uh, punishments to be brutal and to to kill the child? We we know this because in verse 14, it says that this discipline or this training will save this child from death. If there's a regular, healthy routine of discipline, the life of the child will be saved from death. Hear what Martin Luther, the great theologian, says as it relates to this verse. He says, if thou scourgest thy son, the executioner need not scourge him. There must be scourging once. And if the father does not do it, then someone else will. Huge implications behind what Martin Luther was portraying. And as we look at our society, we look at our city, uh, I wonder how, how much differently things would be if, if there were parents who had the will and had the desire to, to train and to discipline their child in the way of the Lord so that someone else wouldn't have to do it. This was a big deal in ancient times because of the weight of having a rebellious child, it was heavy. And in Deuteronomy, it had really strong words for rebellious children. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18 to 21 says this. If a man has a stubborn or rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him, bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, this son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton. glutton. He's a drunkard. And then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones so that you may purge evil from your midst. Uh, this, this ideal of discipline was, was something that they knew all too well. And the ideal of trying to save your child, to save your son from death was important. And Solomon was trying to, to convey this message to the children of Israel, trying to convey this message to his own kids. They're saying, look, this discipline, I, I have to do it because it's going to save you. If I'm going to do right by your heart, if I'm going to lead your heart down the right path, that this discipline, it's a good thing. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 12 gives us some very interesting words about how discipline is a good thing. Here now the words of the Lord from Hebrews chapter 12. It says, consider him who endured from, uh, from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Uh, in, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Verse six, here it is. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? 
If you're left without discipline in which, uh, all, we, we, which, which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You see that this discipline that we will receive at different times in our life, it's, it's a good thing. Verse 10 says that uh, for they discipline us short, uh, for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplined us for our good that we may share his holiness. That, that when we discipline, when we experience moments when, when the Lord disciplined us, it's, 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 a, it's a good thing to help us to get us on the right path. We will see it through our Lord Jesus Christ. In that same book, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 8 says that although he was a son, speaking of Jesus, that he learned obedience through what he suffered. That discipline is a, it's a good thing when done properly, when done regularly, it will help us to save us from death. Uh, I have so many stories of this with, with my mom, but one uh, was very familiar. Uh, she was very particular about curfews, very particular about curfews. I got my driver's license and uh, was able to drive. I, I can't remember when I was coming up, it was age 16 or 17. I, I don't know what age it was, but I, I was able to drive. I was a, a good child, a good student. And so, uh, but I had friends who, uh, uh, they, their parents didn't give them curfews. And so if I was out with them, I just assumed that, you know, their curfew was 11. I, I could stay out to 11 or if it was midnight. I, I could stay out to midnight, whatever it was. But my mom said, I, I need you back at home at 10 o'clock. And, and so, you know, I, I would kind of play around with it and, and try to try to stay out as long as I could. But uh, tried to make it home by the curfew that she had given up. And, and so as I never forget it, senior year, graduation is in view. I have my college selected. And so I feel like I'm getting a little grown and hanging out. Uh, with, with my friends, senior, senior year now, not, not, not ninth grade, 10th grade, just senior year, I'm about to head off to college. And uh, I just so happened to, to come home and uh, it was past 10 o'clock curfew. But, you know, I thought I was okay. I'd made all the other set appointed times. And, and, and so I, I get home, I uh, uh, try to open up the door as, as quietly as I could uh, as, as the clock and the seconds were ticking. And I get in the house and I see that the coast is clear. So I thought, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of the darkness, here comes my mom. She, she tackled me. It was almost like Ray Lewis or Dick Buckus or whoever uh, your, your, your favorite linebacker was. And here I am. I'm a senior in high school, fully strong. You know, I'm, I'm, and I, I barely, you know, got in after the time. And, and she dealt with me that night. And, and, and what, what I, I didn't understand in that moment, but what it taught me in the future is that, look, when, when, when your parents or when there's authorities that have set uh, times or set uh, different appointments or whatever, that you need to honor those things and, and it's good for you. It, it helped me as I went off to college to make sure I was on time for class. It, it helped me to, to make sure I wasn't uh, messing around in my studies because of, of what she was trying to uh, embed in my life. But it also helped me, I really believe, to save me from death. There were friends of mine who would do things that they would get caught up in certain situations. I've had friends who, who would die. And I truly believe that that 10 o'clock curfew outside of whatever she was trying to teach me, she was trying to save me from myself. And I'm sure there's someone in here who throughout the course of your life, whether it was through your parents or, or whatever God has been in your life, that whatever parameters, whatever disciplines, whatever trainings that were in place, you are sitting here because your parents saved you from yourself. The Lord's graciousness to you 
for having discipline in your life. That discipline is training. Training is important for us, but not only training we see in this text, but we also see teaching. We also see teaching and how that's important in our lives as well. Look at Proverbs 23, verse 17. It says, let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. I, I call this the way of evildoers. We, we have to teach. We have to be taught not to go in the way of evildoers. And I think one of these things that we all struggle with is, especially as parents, we, we struggle uh, with this, this teaching that we have been given our kids. We struggle with all the lessons and all the, the sacrifices that we have made for our kids only uh, for them to be exposed to some influencer uh, on some social media platform that is going to, to, to pull them away from all the years of teaching that you have done. That, that, that there's some evil teachings, that things that are happening in our society, that are happening in our world, that our kids have been exposed to, to that they will snatch them away from the, the training and the teachings that we have been doing and, and pouring into their lives for all of their years. And as Solomon is thinking about this, he is thinking about uh, chapter 1, verse 7, talking about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. He says, look, the way that you can help yourself not to be envious of sinners or evildoers is to keep the fear of the Lord at the forefront of your hearts, the forefronts of your mind. That we have to keep the fear of the Lord on our hearts so that we can make sure we know how to navigate uh, this society, navigate this world that is harmful to us. At all the hours in a week, we we have so many hours that, that, are, that are pulling us away from the things of God, pulling us away from what God has called us to do. And he says, look, that's the only way you're going to win in this battle against uh, being envious against those who are doing well, who are evildoers, is that you have to keep the fear of the Lord on your heart, on your mind. And I know it's hard for us, uh, many of us, not to be uh, envious of those who appear to be doing well, even though they are doing evil. Uh, the glitz and the glamour, all, all the resources that it appears they have, this, this happiness that they are portraying that they're having as they are living a lifestyle that is not one that is following after what God has called us to do. And, and it seems like everything is going their way. And oftentimes when we see this, and if we're honest, we, we ask ourselves the question, Lord, Lord, this doesn't make sense. How are evildoers doing well? How are they thriving? How are they, it seems like everything is going their way. But child of God, let me say to you, if you have those thoughts, which I know if we're honest, many of us, we we do, we we struggle with it. Uh, Look, the the Bible is clear. The Bible is true. The Bible tells us uh, in Psalm 37, verses one through two, it says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be envious against those who are workers of iniquity because at some point they will be cut down like the grass. And that lifestyle that they live, it would, it would wither like the green herbs. That's what he's telling us. He, he, he's taken uh, some, some, some information. He's taken knowledge from his father, David, who wrote Psalm 37. He says, look, you don't have to be envious against those who are doing wrong. You don't have to be envious of them. You don't have to fret about them because, look, their lifestyle, it will fade away. Later on in that same Psalm 37, David would say, look, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they shall 
inherit the earth. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. Brothers and sisters, he says, don't be envious against evildoers because their end is certain. That their ruin will happen if they fail to surrender to the Lord. If they fail to commit their way to the Lord, they will be cut off. We must direct our hearts and the hearts of those who we influence to fear the Lord. But the problem with this is it's hard because our hearts are, are so wicked. It's, it's hard for our hearts to, to not be prone to wonder as the the psalmist would, would say is that, I'm sorry, as the hymnologist would say that, that our hearts are, are prone to wonder. Most of us, if we're honest, we sort of like the lifestyle of, of evildoers. We, we like those who do wrong. If I'm honest with you, when I watch certain movies, I, I sometimes cheer on the bad guys. I, uh, many Americans do the same thing. Uh, the movie Scarface, everybody liked it because... Well, Al Pacino, he played a, played a bad character. And this movie was watched over and over and over again to, to see the, the evilness that was happening in that movie. We, deep down, sometimes love the bad guy. We, we watch mafia shows and movies. Some, somehow, uh, our hearts mend to, to the bad guys. Even the movie Barbie, if you hadn't seen it yet, we, we know who the bad guy is in Barbie. It's Barbie, right? No. No, it was Ken. We, 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 we like the bad guys. And, and look, I, I grew up in Memphis, and, and don't judge me for this. Um, I grew up, my favorite auntie, Aunt Carol, she uh, had me addicted uh, to, to watching wrestling. I mean, I, we were a wrestling-watching family. I see I have some witnesses out here as well. We, I don't know if this was uh, famous down there in Georgia, George, but, but, but wrestling was here Monday night. Mid-South Coliseum, WWF or WWE, whatever it was. And, and, and out of all the wrestlers, I always end up liking the bad guys. I liked uh, one of my favorite during the era of Hulkamania, who before he turned bad, he was, you know, the all-American hero. I, I like Ric Flair. Uh, Ric Flair was, uh, he, he talked so much trash. He was the wheeling, dealing, kiss-stealing. You know, airplane, jet flying, you know, he, he was this bad guy. He, he talked trash. He was someone who, who, who portrayed this guy who, who lived this fast life that all the women were after him. He had all the money, all the riches and all the wealth. And, 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 and when we fast forward to some documentaries that they made about him, he, he would say this. He thought that he actually was Ric Flair, the character that he was portraying uh, as he was wrestling. He really thought it was, that he was him. He, he tried to live that lifestyle, that, that fast life and it. It ruined his marriage. His kids despised him. He, he lost a lot of money. His health, it drove his health uh, to be one that was, was not in, in good shape all because he was running after this life, the life of, of, of being bad, this life of portraying this evildoer. Brothers and sisters, the evildoers, they will be cut off. But those who wait upon the Lord, they will inherit the earth We see training, we see teaching. Lastly, we see the target. Proverbs 23, verse 19 says, Hear my son and be wise. Direct your heart in the way. I call this the way of godliness. This is the way of wisdom. And There are many paths, many ways that 
we have in our lives that we can choose. And there are so many people, unfortunately, who are, who are searching for, for love in the wrong places. They're, they're searching for meaning and, and significance in all of the wrong places. There are so many paths that people can choose to take in Solomon's day and even in our day. But what he says, look, I, I need you to, I'm trying to direct your heart in the way. This way that he was trying to direct them was the way of godliness. It was the way where, where they were living in a, in a way that uh, was pleasing to God, that they were living in a way where they would uh, be able to, to practice and to be an example of godliness. It was this way that uh, it was far off distance for him, uh, but we know it as the way of Christ, living in, in, in Christ likeness. It was this, this path that we can invite people to taste, to see that God was good. Solomon says, look, I've given you all these wisdom nuggets. I've given you all these, 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 these things of wisdom that you need to take with you so that you can live life and that you can live it in a way that brings honor to God. But it's going to be important for you to stay on that path, for you to stay on the right road. When I thought about that, I thought about years ago, uh, Fidelity, Fidelity Financial had these commercials, uh, these wealth management commercials that uh, would give you the picture of a financial advisor talking to their client. Uh, the client obviously is excited because they got good news because their retirement is on the right track. And what would happen in these commercials, as, as the, 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 the client would walk out the door, they would shake the hand of that financial advisor and um, she would say, look, as long as you stay on this path, you're, you're going to be fine. You're going to reach all of your goals. And and, and below the person, it would be this green line, this green line. And, and they would just direct them to follow this path, follow that green line, and, and you're going to be okay. And it would happen every commercial. It was the same script. The, the, the client would walk out, and, and they're walking on this path. They're following this green path, this, this road, the way that they had been taught so they can stay on the path of their goals. And, and, and the customer would look to, to the right, and they would see uh, the, these fancy cars, uh, these sports cars that, would cause them to walk off the path. And as they would walk off, the, the green line would still be in the same place. It, it would wait on them. And, and they would look back at their financial advisor and they would tell them to get back on the path. And they would keep walking. As they would walk, they would look over uh, to the other side and they would see uh, all the designer apparel and other things that would uh, financially take them off that path. And they would look back again and that financial advisor would tell them to get back on the path, that this path that they had discussed this path that they had been training for, this path that would keep them to getting their goals is what they were trying to get this client to stay on. And that's all Solomon was trying to teach us in, in Proverbs 23, to, for us to stay on that path of godliness. That if we take these words all throughout the Proverbs, all throughout the word of God, that it, it would help us to live a life of godliness. It, it would help us to be led on the way of the one who would come to die in our place and die for our sins. The fact that we live, the fact that we are trying to influence others is because Jesus Christ died on the cross. His blood was shed on Calvary's cross for, for our sin. And that all we have to do is acknowledge him, surrender to him, uh, believe and trust in him with our lives, surrender to his lordship, and, and just stay on that path, the path of righteousness that he uh, did for us on our behalf a righteousness that we don't have to work for a righteousness that he that was accomplished and applied in his flesh on the cross that invites us to this table that we're about to partake in
this is the path. This is the way that, that if we, we stay on this path, if we, we stay on this journey, that it will help us to win others to Christ as they follow us, as we follow him. But he, he did it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe. That invites us to this table that we're about to take at this time. My prayer for you is that if you are sitting here and you have not decided to take the path to walk that green line that the cross has afforded to us, I pray that you would make that decision today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have done it all for us. That you've given us discipline in our lives to help us to to follow in godliness. God, thank you for inspiring uh, Solomon to to write these proverbs to us for our benefit so we can know how to live in a way that brings honor to you. God, I pray as we uh, give our attention to this table that you've invited us to, God, I, I pray that we never lose sight of what you did for us, that you died on the cross while we were enemies. You died for us because you loved us so much. We thank you. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.